0: Welcome to audio from Ballyhalbert Gospel Hall. Listen in as we open God's Word and share how it should impact our lives. We hope it blesses you. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, great to be here and, and be able to open up God's Word together. If you have your Bibles on you, if you could open up to Second Chronicles. It's Second Chronicles and it's chapter 15. So 2 Chronicles chapter 15, and this is an amazing chapter, chapter 14, 15, and 16. It looks at the life of a man called Asa, a king called King Asa, and it's a wonderful story. But before we begin, this is, of course, in the Old Testament, and many of the stories of the Old Testament are given to us to give us hope, aren't they, and instruction, and it also points to Jesus Christ, even though Jesus appears in person in the new testament he has spoken of the whole way through the old and so in romans chapter 15 verse 4 it says for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope and this chapter and these passages really give me hope as we read them together hopefully we'll all be able to get hope from this as we see who god is and who we are in light of that. In Luke chapter 24, verse 27, what does Jesus say to the two on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection? He says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. That was throughout the whole Old Testament it was all pointing to him. And here's what we see as we look at the life of King Isa. This Life of King Isa was written to encourage us and to challenge us to hope in God and to trust and rely in him alone. And we see that as we look through the life of King Isa. The first part of his life encourages us to hope in God. The second part of his life challenges us to hope in God because we see what happens if we don't. So Joseph, of course, this morning, I wake up this morning and what do I hear? First thing is lots of babbling in the room opposite you know, where he's sleeping, he's woken up now, but he's happy, he's not stressed, he's not crying, he's not worried, he's just talking away, he knows he cannot get out of the cot by himself, but he's not concerned, he's not worried, he's not stressed, because he knows that either his mummy or his daddy will come in and he'll have his arms up, and whenever I come in in the morning, he has his arms up and goes, daddy, and he's not worried or concerned, he trusts, he has reliance in us, that we'll pick him up out of the cot and play with him during the day. So he's not worried when he wakes up. It should be that for us as well. We might be finding ourselves in tight spots, places we cannot get ourselves out of, hardships that are too big for us. But instead of stressing and worrying and being anxious about it, we can trust in our great father who is bigger than us and lift our arms up to him and call out to him. And that's what we see in the life of King Isa. So let's go back in time, a thousand years before the birth of Jesus Christ, King David, we all know him, don't we? King David, of course, has a son called Solomon. And Solomon was a king then in charge of all the 12 tribes of Israel. But after Solomon dies, there's conflict and there's separation. And no longer do we have the 12 tribes of Israel as a united kingdom. Now they are split into two kingdoms. We have the North Kingdom and the South Kingdom. And the North Kingdom has 10 tribes and that's called Israel. And the south kingdom is known as Judah. It has only two tribes which is Judah and Benjamin. And the two kings in the north you have Jeroboam, in the south you have Rehoboam. Well if you go down a few more generations, Rehoboam gives birth to Abijah who becomes the next king. He doesn't give birth of course, his wife does. And Abijah then has Asa, Now, Asa is who we're going to be looking at now. So Asa is the king of the south of the two tribes of Israel, Judah and Benjamin. And Baasha is the king of the north. So that's where we're at. So Asa, only not that long away after David. So a few generations down the line. And now we have Asa, king of the south of Israel. Asa's early years were brilliant. Because as you read through Chronicles and you read through Kings and you read about all these kings, your heart can be sinking quite a lot. You're like, oh, here we go. Here's another king who's evil, whose eyes are away from God, who trusts only in himself and who is putting up idols and all these false gods to worship. But then we come to Asa in Second Chronicles and it's a breath of fresh air because Asa trusts in God despite his upbringing. He destroys idols He destroys all these sacred stones. His own mother or grandmother, depending. There's a bit of a contention as to who that might be. It was either his mother or grandmother. But nevertheless, she's removed as queen mother. And he stamps and burns down her idols as well. So he's maybe not the family favorite as you go around for family dinner. You know, he's removed his mother or grandmother from the throne. He sets up worship for God. And despite his upbringing in the worship of idols he now points his trust and worship to God and he fills the temple of the Lord with much silver and gold and for 35 years reigns in prosperity before God and it says in 2nd Chronicles chapter 15 verse 17 the heart of Asa was true and in chapter 14 verse 2 Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. And even we see in the middle of his reign, there's great victory as well because he trusts in God and his reliance is in him. It's actually an amazing story because we're going to put up our first map. So just to show you, there's King Baasha. He was the king of Israel. King Asa was the king of Judah. We go on our second map. However, beneath Israel, you had Ethiopia, modern day Ethiopia. The Cushites, they were called back then. And they wanted to attack Israel, and they swooped in to attack Judah first. So they go in to attack Judah, where King Isa reigns. But these are many, many, many Ethiopians coming to attack. King Isa, he had 580,000 men overall between Benjamin and Judah. However, the Ethiopians had a million fighters and 300 chariots. It was completely... You know, the odds were completely stacked against him. So let's read about it. It says this in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 8. And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah, armed with large shields and spears, and 280,000 men from Benjamin that carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. And came as far as Marasa, And Asa went out to meet him. He didn't shy away. He didn't hide. He comes up to meet him. And they drew up their lines of battle in the valley of Zephithath of Marsha. And Asa cried to the Lord his God. So what does he do? He comes up and he's a bit like Joseph in that cot. he realizes the challenges ahead of him are too big. He cannot overcome them. It's too much. So what does he do? Does he sulk back and sink in his fear? No. He turns to God, even though his army is minute, even though they're quite a big army, but minute compared to the Ethiopian army and all their chariots. He knows there's no chance in human terms that he could win this battle. But he turns to God and he says this in verse 11, "O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, For we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are God. Let not man prevail against you. So, verse 12, the Lord defeated the Ethiopians. And before Asa and before Judah, the Ethiopians fled. Isn't that amazing? So there you can see mid-reign, 15 years into Asa's reign, You can see his faith is put to the test. He's not just a man who's serving God in plenty. He's a a man who's serving God in need. And he's been put under severe persecution, something that he cannot overcome himself. And what does he do? He turns to God because he recognizes he is useless without God. He recognizes he is weak and powerless without God's strength. And he says, Oh Lord, there's none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. He's calling himself weak. He knows that God is mightier than this mighty army of the Ethiopians. And so, what does God do? He defeats the Ethiopians. And we, too, of course, are useless without God. We, too, are weak and powerless before our mighty enemy, which is sin and death and Satan and hell. We cannot overcome our own sin. We cannot overcome hell we cannot overcome death we are completely subject to these things except for the fact that God is stronger than all of that in first John chapter 4 verse 4 it says Jesus says he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world and so if you do trust in him and if your trust is in him we have someone who is much mightier than the mightiest of enemies in our lives but it's not because of King Asa, it's because of God. And that's what you read there as well. It was the Lord defeated the Ethiopians. It doesn't say, and so Asa defeated them. It was God. Now, of course, Asa then goes on to enjoy many years of plenty. And he starts to relax and starts to enjoy himself. And I don't know if you've ever seen, like, for example, a sponge. If you're in a bath, um, I like to bath Joseph at nights. And he loves a sponge and he likes to try to eat it and, you are know, trying to tell him not to do that. But of course whenever you squeeze a sponge all the water comes out of it it's tight and that's like us as christians under persecution we are often whenever we're squeezed all the sully teaching of the teachings of the world are squeezed out and we're trusting in god however in times of plenty whenever you let go that persecution often all the teachings of the world infiltrate into our lives and we start to just relax a little bit and a little, little bit of this happen to us and listen to a little bit of that. And after a while, we can find ourselves walking away from the Lord and not trusting in him as we should. And this is a tragic change that we see in Asa's heart. Because as the years go on, perhaps he starts to believe that, actually, you know what? I did pretty well against these Ethiopians. I'm a pretty good fighter. Did you see me with that sword? He said to his soldiers. Perhaps all his wise men and soldiers are telling him, you're such a good king. Look at our years of plenty. This is because of all your great work, O great King Asa. And as the years goes on, the pride starts to kick in. The comfort starts to take over. And C.H. Spurgeon says, the greatest faith of yesterday will not give us confidence for today unless the fresh springs which are in God shall overflow again. In other words, it's only good through God's grace and God's strength that we ever trust in him. It's only because of him that we can be Christians. It's only because of him that we stay Christians and it's only because of him that our faith can be strong. But we allow other things to sink into our lives and we ignore God and our faith can be weak. If we're Christians we will always be Christians but we can still allow things to take over in our lives and let our walk with God not be so strong. And here's what happens with King Isa. The best of men are only bit men at best. And Isa becomes full of fear in this next part we're going to read. So it's in chapter 16. In the 36th year, verse 1. In the 36th year of the reign of King Isa, Baasha, king of Israel. So we'll go on to the next slide again. Um, you can see there's King Baasha again, King Isa at the bottom. So Baasha, he's the king of Israel of the north. He went up against Judah and built Ramah. So he's not actually fighting. He's just going up and building a wall, which is in between Judah and Israel. Because up to this point, they had free access, constant access up and down between the north and south. But now, Baasha, he starts to fear this constant access they have between the north and south. And he thinks to himself, oh, what if King Isa turns against me? I'm going to build this wall to make it that there's more of a political um, way of getting it in and out between Israel and Judah. However, whenever Asa sees this happening, he starts to be afraid and thinks, why are they building a wall? Are they also going to be building up their army as well? Are they preparing to fight me? And he, his fear is over a wall. Remember, he was, he was strong in the Lord whenever there was a million men and 300 chariots up against him. But now that there's a wall being built, he buckles in fear. Often we see that, don't we, in our, in our Christian lives. Whenever the smaller trials come to us, we forget to actually turn to God. We turn to God whenever things are too big for us. But whenever we think, you know what, I could do that myself. I'm fine. We, forgot to, we forget to turn to God and ask him and seek him for help first. We think, I can just do it based on my own resources. And here's what happens to Asa, verse two. Asa took silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the lord remember i mentioned how he put these treasures into the house of the lord as dedication to god now he's taking treasures out of god's temple this belongs to the lord and he's taking treasures from there from there and the king's house and he sent them to ben Hadad. so we'll look at the next slide here he's going from judah up to aram to damascus and he's going beyond Israel, and he's going to Ben-Hadad, who has an alliance with Israel, and he's saying, if you break your alliance with Israel, and you join me, we can defeat these Israelites. That's his plan. We'll read it here. He says, And the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who lived in Damascus, saying, There is a covenant between me and you, as there was between my father and your father. Behold, I am sending you silver and gold. Go break your covenant with Baasha king of Israel that he may withdraw from me. So what has he done? He's taken silver and gold from the house of the Lord. He has robbed God and he's put his trust in man instead. And he gives this money to a heathen king of Syria. He tells Ben-Hadad, this heathen king, to break his covenant as well, which is not a very Christian thing to do. Perhaps he's now telling himself all is fair in war. He starts to let the teachings of the world infiltrate into his life and we can see that he's starting to act in his own means doing what he thinks is right and going against God you know why does God put us through trials and through suffering often it's to bring us closer to Christ isn't it we share in his sufferings like we read in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 often it gives us reassurance that we belong to him because doesn't Jesus say if the world hated you it hated me first it gives us a hope of future reward because we know that despite all our sufferings, what's being prepared for us is a weight of eternal glory, like we read in 2 Chronicles 4 verse 17. And also it can bring salvation to others as we are serving God through our trials. God can use that to bring others to him as they see how we endure and how we, our response gives glory to God. But how does Asa react he has reacted through trials and through suffering in all the wrong ways. He has decided to rely on himself instead of relying on God. Well, how does Ben-Hadad react? We'll read in verse 4. Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa. Maybe he thought, he's a wise man. He's a man who follows God. He must know what he's talking about. And he sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they conquered Jon, Dan, abel Maim, and all the store cities. Of Naphtali, So I'll show you that in the next part of the map. So at the very top of Israel, that's where he's come in. This king of Damascus, he's come in from the top of Israel and he's attacking from the top down. When Baasha heard of it, he stopped building Ramah and he let his work cease. Then King Asa took all Judah and they carried away the stones of Ramah and its timber with which Baasha had been building. And with them, he built Geba and Mishpah. So Ben-Hadad has conquered many cities. The wall building stops just like Isa was hoping. Peace was destroyed. But as far as King Isa was concerned, his plan prospered. His plan worked. He went against God. He sinned, but it still worked. And that's a danger, isn't it? And that often can happen to us. You think to yourself, well, I'll just make this. I'll just cheat here in my tests. Or I'll just, you know, skew with my finances a little bit. Or I'll just, uh, you know, go ahead a little bit in my work and I'll not tell my boss what I've done to be able to further my career. Or whatever it might be. You do things that you know you shouldn't. And it can work for a while. And you think, you know what? I'm pretty good. I'm good at this. But it's still sin. And it's still against God. And it's a fearful thing whenever we allow sin to rule in our lives instead of God himself. But of course, God then brings a rebuke to Asa because God loves Asa. And as a father who disciplines his child, he brings discipline to him. And he does it through a prophet. So in verse 7, here we see a prophet or a seer. It says, At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria... And did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. See how all, all of this is about reliance. Asa has stopped relying on God and has started relying on man and on himself. And what the prophet's saying is because you started to rely on this king and stopped relying on God, the king of Syria has escaped you. Where are not the Ethiopians and the Libyans, a huge army? So he's now reminding him of this million fighters. Incident. And he says, they were a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen. Yet, verse 8, because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. So because you relied on him, God blessed you. In verse 9 then it says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. You have done foolishly in this. For from now on, you will have wars. So the prophet rebukes Asa. He said, had you trusted in God, you would have had both Israel and Damascus as allies, Syria as allies. But now you will have wars, he says. And he reminds Asa of his Ethiopian victory and said, you trusted in God then. Why couldn't you trust in God now? You see, the foolishness of what God or what Isa had done was that he had forgotten the past graces of God. He forgot it was, he forgot who it was he was trusting in, how mighty and how powerful God is, and how he need not fear when God is at his side. And he forgot the nature of God as well. For it says the eyes of the Lord run to and through throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. He knew that this was God's nature, to show his love and his kindness and goodness to those who trust in him. But he says you'll have wars, not simply suffering, but punishment now. This is punishment for what Asa has done. If Asa's response was positive, God could have turned the punishment, God could still turn this punishment into fatherly discipline for Asa's good. Because we read that, don't we, in Proverbs 3.11, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. God loves to give us good things, but he also disciplines us when we need it. But he can use that discipline for our good. Doesn't mean he'll necessarily take it away. We may still go through that discipline in our lives. But God can use it to give him glory. And to shape us and make us more like him the two reasons for his great folly was that he forgotten god's past grace and he forgot the nature of god as i've mentioned because we read here in verse 9 i'm going to put up verse 9 now um so here we go second chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 i think is an absolutely incredible verse it really is because we see here that god is not needy but he's strong he says the eyes of the lord run to and through Throughout the whole earth to give strong support. He is there to give us support and to give us strength and to give us power and to give us help when we need it. He's a strong God. We see here that God is not passive for his people, but he's eager to help us. The eyes of the Lord run to and through throughout the whole earth. He's looking to help us if we just trust in him. He's not limited, but he's everywhere, the whole earth, and he pursues us in goodness and mercy if we simply trust in him this is the god that we serve it's like a scout you know a football scout if he's going up and down and his eyes are running to and fro throughout the whole earth and he's or the whole land for example let's say of northern ireland and he's looking for people who are really good at football and he says oh look there's paul whiteside he's actually playing really well here um i'm going to sign him for liverpool right um or he might say, sign him for man united and you'll say no thanks no Liverpool okay I'll take it he says but the scout is looking up and down to see where the talent is now God's not looking for talent we are not he's not looking for people who can do great things he's simply looking for those who trust in him who trust in his strength and what he can provide not in ourselves so what is God looking for Is, is he looking for assistance is he looking for people who can do his work for him no God is a strong one he desires to show us his power. He says that in Psalm 50, if I were hungry I would not tell you for the world and its fullness are mine. God doesn't need anything as if we need to be his assistants. No, what is it that we can give him then? Is there something we can give him that will not belittle his status to simply a beneficiary? Well yes there is, we can give him our anxieties, we can give him our needs we can give him our cries for his power. We can trust in him and what he provides. You know, we Abigail, my wee girl, she's only now nearly, not even five weeks old yet. She completely relies on me and on Ellen to provide for her. Her, her cries are for milk or for, because she's tired or because she needs a cuddle. She can't do it herself. She needs us. And we too should be crying out to the Lord our God and recognizing that without him, We are totally useless and without power. Anything good we do is because God has done it through us for his glory, to give the glory back to himself. Not to pat ourselves on the back, but to point to him and say, the only reason I could do that was because God gave me the strength to do it. The only reason I had strength in the middle of this great tragic part of my life, I was able to get up each morning is because God gave me the strength to do it. And you're pointing back to him. And people can see how great he is. And they want him to be their Lord as well. And that's God's covenant with us. That he will not turn away from doing good to us. Like we see in Jeremiah 32. But we'll keep looking at verse 9 here. Because it talks about the eyes of the Lord. He's all seeing. He's all knowing. And he looks at our hearts. And he looks at our motives. For Asa, at the beginning of his life, he rejoiced in this truth. The fact that the eyes of the Lord were upon him. And in 2 Chronicles 14 verse 2. We read that he did what was good and right. In the eyes of the Lord his God. But now. This indictment from the prophet. Is a cause of fear. Because he's recognising that the eyes of the Lord are upon him. And he is not living for him. But instead he is living for himself. So what does he do? I would love to be able to tell you now. That he turned and listened to this discipline. And he turned back to God. And he served him, and devoted his heart to the Lord. But that's not what happens in the life of King Isa. We read it in verse 10. Then Asa was angry with the seer, that was the prophet, and put him in the stocks in prison, for he was in a rage with him because of this. Perhaps you've had it in your life where someone, a brother or sister in the Lord, has come up to you and said to you, maybe rebuked you, in a very loving way and, and pointed to what the error of your path was, but instead of listening and responding to that and, and correcting your life by trusting yourself back into the Lord again, you've got angry at that person and you've, you've fought against it and you've dug her heels in deeper. And that's what Asa has done here. Asa inflicted cruelties upon some of the people at the same time. The act of Asa. Verse 11, from first to last, are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from the physicians. Asa was unrepentant. His success had turned into pride. So much so that even through a prophet into prison and his people he punishes, and one sin, which was not trusting in the Lord, has turned into many. And he's seeking the help from doctors. It's not telling us that that's a wrong thing, but he should have been seeking help from the Lord first. Seeking help from doctors is a great thing. It could be okay. It could be a perfect thing to do. But we also need to come to God first, don't we? No matter what's happening with you in your life. And this disease and his feet was God's way of trying to bring him back to himself. But Asa did not listen. And he dug his he- heels in deeper. Now, there is a bit of a positive ending to Asa's life, and we read it in verse 13. Asa slept with his fathers, dying in the 41st year of his reign. They buried him in a tomb that he had cut for himself in the city of David. They laid him in a byre that had been filled with various kinds of spices, prepared by the perfumer's art, and they made a great fire in his honour. Now this, as we read through our chronicles, we'll say is only really given to those kings who trusted in God, this honourable death. And so he was still honoured in his death. He was still remembered for his deeds that he had done for the Lord through God and his strength. But he had a very sad ending to his life, didn't he? And it could be like that for you too. You might think, look at my life, look how I've served God so far. And start to pat yourself on the back and stop realising that actually anything you've done right is through God. And it's all through him and through his power that you can have anything in your life that you can be pleased about or thankful for. It wasn't about the ability of Isa. It was about the ability of God. And we'll see that as we look throughout the whole of the Bible. It's not about any of these people. It's about God. In fact, the Bible seems to go through great efforts to make sure that it tars every single character in the Bible, apart from one, of course, who is Jesus Christ himself. He's without sin. We see that as we look throughout all these characters. Jacob was a cheater, wasn't he? Peter had a really bad temper at points. David He committed adultery. He murdered. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran away from God. Paul killed Christians. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was nervous, a nervous wreck. Thomas doubted. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was depressed. Moses stuttered. Lazarus was dead. All these people had their imperfections, didn't they? They needed God. And Christ is the only perfect one. God's people break the law. Priests are often malevolent in their sacrifices as we read through the Old Testament. We see that the judges do what's right in their own eyes. The kings become selfish like we see in King Isa. The prophets are killed. And so what we need is a true prophet, king, judge and priest who can be perfect in all of those regards and can show us what it really is to be true and better. And that's what we see in Christ. He is the only one. Who is perfect, and he is the only one then who can take on our sins and punishment on himself in the cross. And that's what he did for us, wasn't it? He took on all of our punishment. He took on all of our imperfections. And he was nailed to the cross, and he took on our debt, that if we trust in him and what he can do for us, we can be forgiven and given a new life. The Bible doesn't then promise prosperity. Your life can have many trials and suffering and difficulties in it. But we have god who walks beside us through it all knowing that one day we will see him forever face to face with our sins forgiven all because of him and not because of us and we can then offer our lives as a sacrifice to him not because of anything we can do but all because of his great strength and his power which can work through us but we need to trust we need to renounce reliance on all of our resources which can be great things you know god can give you many great things in your life but if you just trust in those things and stop trusting in him that's when it becomes a problem you know right down to say riding your bike you can start to get a bit proud of yourself and think look at my big strong legs and this really good bike and you start to think it's all about me and my skills on this bike instead of actually asking god to help you that day as you go for your ride it could be down to the simplest things in life it doesn't have to be you know, religious things. It could be every single area of your life should be dedicated and devoted to God if you're a Christian, if you trust in him. And so I just want to finish with a verse from Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. And it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So if you are a believer, trust in him. If you're not, recognize that you're useless without him you need god and his amazing sacrifice on the cross he was risen again back to life you can have eternal salvation and forgiveness in him and walk with him with his power and his strength with you each and every day let's pray dear lord god i just want to thank you lord for the message that we see in king isa we're not encouraged to be like him Not at all, but we're encouraged to trust in the one that he did trust in in the beginning of his life. Lord, help us, Lord, to rely on you. Help us, Lord, not to turn away our reliance from you onto ourselves, onto our resources, onto others, onto what we can do. But help us, Lord, to devote ourselves to you, knowing that anything good we can do is done through you. You're the almighty and powerful one. You're the one who can do all things. We are weak and helpless without you but we are so thankful Lord that you have forgiven us if we've trusted in you that we are your children we are heirs of the great king of kings and one day we'll be with you forever in heaven but today we can walk with you each and every day with your grace and your strength to supply. Thank you Lord for your love and goodness to us in your name. Amen.